I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, welcome back to Style Over Substance with me, Scarlett. And myself, Mim. Hiya. How are you doing, Mim? Yeah, I'm all right, actually. Um, I'm actually working on the bank holiday, so it's just like any other weekend for me. Mm. But I'm doing all right. Not bad, not bad. What about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm actually also working babysitting on oh, the bank okay. holiday. I've got a shift of 12 till 8 with a six year old. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> um, I'm also not a relative of mine, might add, hence the tone. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Um, yeah. Mm. Having a little pamper day. I've washed my hair, put some nice hair rolls in, moisturized my skin. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. And also, I'm seeing you later. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'd, I'd actually like scrambled to wash my hair this morning because I knew I had to leave the house. So, um, yeah. Cool. Fashion story. Fashion story. <laughs> what is your fashion story this week? So mine is the collaboration with Valentino and Levi Strauss, mm. you know, the denim company. We have seen massive collaborations come out in the past couple of weeks. Obviously. Yeah. Um, Gucci North Face. Yeah. Balenciaga Gucci. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is just another one. And it's basically these two brands have come together to kind of rework. And I say that in a loose way. Rework the 517 or the 517 bootcut jeans. Now, these jeans are like kind of iconic you know how Levi Strauss they always have these like ranges or particular cuts Mm. that are like have been worn for like decades and decades like James Dean and Marlon Brando and all that lot they all wear these and it's like quintessential cool um this is kind of this pair of jeans has the same sort of legacy and um they were actually featured the collaboration version was featured down um valentino's latest um catwalk last year in milan yep and did we know that then but then that's the thing because valentino is known for having like big gowns bold colors like drama you know and we did see that their last show was quite casual in that there were denim they were wearing jeans and trainers and stuff down the down the runway so um that although that was different to me it didn't actually spur me to be like oh what's going on with these jeans I just assume 
Valentino were making jeans now because we were at home and everyone was wearing casual things and it just kind of made sense. Mm. And it's probably from that same sort of uh, logic that they have decided to do this collaboration. Um, So, yeah, what's interesting about them is that there's only going to be 517 pieces available worldwide. Like it's super limited. And obviously it's the number of the cut. Mm-hmm. It's a boot cut for those out there who don't like boot cuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they probably only made That's why they 500 need pieces. 500. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and each pair takes the form of this vintage unaltered original so I think we're getting the same shape and style that has been around for a long Mm. time but they've been upcycled so these actual pairs that you're buying have been previously worn but they've been upcycled so I'm guessing like the hardware on the jeans maybe have had a Valentino spin or um, from what from the pictures I can see it seems like any other pair of jeans I'm not going to lie but they do have a patch on the back which says you know Valentino Levi um, and they've been previously worn so I mean it touches on this whole thing. Is that a collab? Like is it then you know? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we've seen Balenciaga get away with a lot. So yeah. <laughs> anything goes really. I don't know if it is a collab. I think it's more it's it's an upcycle project. project, but I don't know if I would call it yeah, a collab if they haven't sort of designed it together, you know. Um, yeah, but then when someone puts their name next to someone yeah. else's I guess I mean, that is the the essence of a collaboration. Yeah. And the idea of it being previously worn upcycle pieces makes me think that, you know, how denim back in the day was raw denim. We've spoken about this before, really stiff material mm. and you had to break it in. Yeah. I think that's why, you know, nowadays we're used to soft, um, soft yeah. denim. I think that's why they've decided to stick with already beaten in kind of pairs of jeans for that modern comfort but with that like old school style don't know but yeah I don't know it's it's a cheeky one isn't it because it's like um they've got these ones for 650 pounds of Mr Porter it's a lot of money for a pair of jeans which I don't know what they've done to them (laughs) (laughs) that is a lot of money that's a lot of money yeah so what's your story so my story is another, I guess, form of a collaboration or a partnership. So Chanel and Cambridge University have partnered basically to focus on education, innovation and research. So it's basically to help Chanel's roadmap to sustainability. Um, And this is kind of like, I would say it's very surprising in a few areas. First of all, Chanel is French. So why they haven't gone to the Sorbonne, which is an equally very reputable university in Paris. Um, Yeah, I find it quite weird. I guess maybe Cambridge is much more pioneering in that aspect. It's like the university part they're collaborating with is the Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership. Sizzle. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I just, I think that's, I think that's, surprising that it's in the UK but I also think what a really cool thing to do to make 
your steps towards sustainability so so open so like like I don't know you're you're celebrating it you're showing what you're doing your steps there you're leading sort of I've never heard of any fashion group show that they're caring or have this much incentive for sustainability and all of that stuff I think that's really important Mm. that they're sort of like you know making a real moment and like highlighting it because a lot of people maybe don't want to bring attention to it because you can then face backlash or hear hear that you're actually not doing things so well yeah um yeah if you um as a brand say this is what we're aiming for and these are our targets and this is what we stand for and strive for you're always going to be measured against that aspiration and you can fall short of that but Chanel has been notoriously private about everything really Mm. that they do um so I doubt that we're really gonna ever hear statements about how it's going you know but it is interesting I mean I wonder in what sort of meaningful way this will bring about a change or a new culture at Chanel and what they plan on doing I don't know but it has reminded me of Hermes investing in new types of leathers um something that we want to do an episode on in terms of vegan leathers and alternative leathers but yeah it's it's good to see these big houses these the most like prestigious houses kind of reevaluate what they're doing but on the same at the same time we know that there are systemic failures from production right up until like head office where a lot of wastage happens i mean a company i used to work for didn't recycle paper you know oh yeah. that's like, like that's entry like, level isn't it? yeah and it's <laughs> it's it's something where like well, don't say, oh, we sh- maybe shouldn't we use we shouldn't use fur and crocodile to be more sustainable. It's like, babe, recycle, like actually just recycle your paper because the mm. amount of paper wastage there is of printing out, obviously like line sheets, um, just like multiple versions of a design. Like at one point, we would have to print out a version of every bag and every colorway for them to see and decide it. Yeah, and obviously then like none of that's being recycled. Um, but yeah, I think I think sustainable has to yeah, just start from the beginning. Like we've talked about, I think before the excessive packaging that comes with a bag, and it's to protect the bag. But you know, we we once lived in a world without plastic. Maybe it it should resort back to paper, which is much easier to recycle mm. and you know break back down again. Um. So yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I think there is a way for high-end luxury to be really sustainable. I mean, Hermes at its core, I mean, we could talk a lot about Hermes, but the the fact that they make things in such small runs Mm. and that wait time and that long lead time and um, you investing in a piece um, is really at the core of sustainability it's not yeah their business plan is essentially sustainable and it's only the super wealthy who've made it more gluttonous with Hermes I guess Mm. the idea of Hermes is you only really own one maybe two they limit yeah yeah they limit the number of Kellys and Birkins you can buy a year yeah I've seen videos with people like you only have an allowance of two so you've got to choose carefully (laughs) 
yeah you <laughs> can't just great problem to have <laughs> i can only buy two kelly bags that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast to remind you, go follow us on Instagram, starloversubstancepod, shoot us an email, starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com, find us on YouTube, find us on Twitter, we've got all the links on our Instagram, you know what to do. Okay, so this week we are following on from our intern conversation last week and we're going to get a bit more personal um, and we also want to say thank you to you guys who replied to us on Instagram about if you had any intern stories or how you feel about the fact that a lot of the time internships are for free. Um, and so most people have sort of commented that it's, it's difficult because people can't afford to work for free. Mm -hmm. And so that's really like the main challenge that as we spoke about last week, that like it then really limits who, who these opportunities are available to. Um, one person replied saying that they would, if they got something really beneficial out of it or thought that it could knock on to work and stuff like that. But yeah, it was really nice hearing from you guys. Mm, yeah, for sure. I think in the world of work, there's always going to be this, like, I need to take a risk and just mm. go for it and see where this leads me. And if they're not paying me, like, yeah, that sucks for me. But I could actually make this beneficial for me in other ways and one of them not being monetarily. So there is that argument. And I always think, like, sometimes when you're offered opportunities, you just go for it. And if you don't mm. like it, you just leave, you know? Um, and also if the, if someone's not paying you like as much as you can try and have some like agreement of oh I have to give you notice mm, you know not really like if someone's not paying you you obviously don't want to burn bridges especially in an industry that's small but there's also um they're not paying you yeah exactly <laughs> you're not like oh I don't want to not get paid for the weeks I've already done yeah. if they if they want to retaliate if they're that sort of people um but yeah I I agree like 2021 times are tough and um, why in the world should any of us be working for free in many cases than when the company is selling bags and clothes for thousands of pounds mm. and they are making a profit there are a lot of fashion houses which are smaller and do struggle I'm not pretending that at all but Mm, it's like if you were a small business owner and you wanted someone to come and work for you, you'd have to pay them something. You'd have to make an effort, whether it's you you buying them lunch every day or um, giving them a lift to the train station or something. You would you would do your best yeah. to kind of accommodate them and help them for scratching your back. And I just I really think that just having worked in the industry it is so much of an industry that's like loads of people want to work for that brand or that company so many people do and I think we both fell prey of this belief as well that it's okay if they don't pay you a lot yeah. 
because you're not used to pay being paid a lot in that industry and you just accept it for what it is um you could be doing something very similar in another industry and be paid like double for example mm-hmm. um and it's that belief that I think glues everything together kids will work for nothing because they want to be in the in crowd they want to be working at these valentinos at these chanel's yeah. at these whatever they want to get their foot in the door yeah and that's what what fuels it and it's a myth in a sense i think having worked in luxury fashion and don't get me wrong like we talk about it all the time i love luxury fashion I, I buy into it i love watching it i love all it's like mm frivolities and all of that and how utterly useless it it already is it's closed but it is fun and I love that about it but don't yourself fall prey to the idea that it's the end all and be all Mm. you know I think know your worth I think I think Mm. it's that and you don't want to be egotistical or anything like that you can't walk through the door and think you're better than a company but you also have to remember like you are you are worth a wage you're worth a certain amount whether that is the price of your rent or all of your expenses like that is then what you're worth because you have to earn that to make your ends meet and Mm. stuff like that I think um but yeah yeah so this week we thought we'd carry on from that um from last week's episode and kind of have more of a story time because we haven't had a story time in a long time Mm. um and talk about in like the the grittiness of what your experiences were of your internships, what people can expect whilst they're actually doing it, um, what advice you would give people in terms of getting one, in terms of how to conduct yourself on like a work placement. And after your internships, what's like the next steps and give people a bit of perspective on the real ins and out day-to-days of an internship basically Mm. yeah yeah I mean my internships are very much like varied um so the first one that I had um the company was relatively small I think when I joined it had maybe eight people working there Okay. And so my internship was essentially helping every department and being a general intern. So what um, was your um what was your title? And are internships are you given titles or are you just like an office helper in a sense? So I didn't yeah, my my title was essentially intern. So my okay. like email address was intern at. Um and yeah, I think but in other places you would be like the design intern or the PR intern or the merch intern, like, like, or whatever, or production intern and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but because it was a really small team, but yeah, I was just like the intern. And so I was taking over, there was like a week crossover where there was another girl who used to, it like was interning there. And I think she'd been like their longest intern because she'd be maybe like there for like, two or three months and that was like a really big deal oh for them. god I thought you were gonna say two or three years no no, no, no. <laughs> and so so we had like a week crossover where she sort of showed me the ropes a bit but then I was about to be the longest one that I think I'd signed on to like six months there because basically part of my degree was to get in a year in industry mm-hmm. and you had to have a certain number of hours of interning to like past that year essentially um 
so yeah I like was really frantic to try and get this internship if I like take it back to like I really was aware of like I wanted to have an internship to start in like the September or like before summer ended because we only had like a certain amount of time to obviously get this internship sort of quota done Mm-hmm. And I was like really frantically trying to find one. Our uni had a database of previous internships. But I was also kind of like really naive thinking, no, I'm going to like email Burberry. I'm going to like, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> I'm just going to do that. I'm going to like go for the brands that I've heard of, um, which actually obviously like is near impossible even to find a way to contact them. Yeah, that's like the... Um, that's a bad strategy even yeah. with jobs even with jobs you're like yeah I can I can work at I don't know Chanel whatever yeah and yeah, you yeah, realize yeah. it's no so yeah I think I started then trying to find listings on like different fashion websites I think they've changed probably now but I mean BOF does post sometimes about internships mm-hmm. um but also you can go on brands websites often and see their jobs listing and stuff but I was really struggling. I sent out so many emails and I was just not getting much back because also like it wasn't just my uni that offers this, like the entire sort of, you know, class year, like, yeah, year of fashion students is all trying to do the same thing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started going on the database of my uni and basically anything I liked, even the vague sound of, I was just emailing. I just, never heard of this brand but someone had previously gone there and I was like yeah like whatever I'm just gonna have to do it like to the look of their style of things online um so yeah gone gone sorry well I was just gonna say they were one of the few people who actually replied to me so that's another thing I was gonna point out of like in fashion you just have to realize people will not reply to your applications I think that's the case for every industry yeah um that recruitment is really dodgy but in in a or when w- it's high volume i think as well like it is mm. in fashion yeah in a world where like you did design so in an area or space where it's very visual mm. um, how did you stand out in terms of your application because emailing is one thing your emails can get lost people can easily gloss over these emails um and also you want to show that you're capable in the world of design to some extent because that's what you were going for how do you like suggest people try and I don't know um increase their chances of being noticed Mm. so often now it would be that I don't think it was so much of a thing then that you would show like or maybe we I did maybe you, you often have like five pages like a little pdf of like an example of your work that you oh, attach okay. maybe with your cv in your sort of application essentially um my big thing but this is my personal preference is I actually don't like a jazzy cv I really like detest that but mm-hmm. that's my personal preference I don't want to see that you're like good at graphic design in your cv i just think you just want to read a cv you know you know like last year when we were all in lockdown and people struggling to get jobs did you see all those like intern kids on like i don't know if you saw this but on linkedin i would see um these kids who were in uni or coming out of uni looking for internships and jobs and they would do the wildest cvs Mm. and they would redesign it like for example there was this girl I remember and she was going into PR or marketing something like that and she redesigned 
her CV to look like like pretty little things Instagram it was I I mean kudos to her because that is if I were the recruitment manager I would be so impressed um but yeah I think maybe we're just in a time where you need to be pushing the boat out or putting something at least eye-catching yeah I I think if you're applying for graphics design Mm. I think it's really great and obviously it could be different than just a work document and it can look a bit sleeker, especially if you are sort of showing that you kind of have an eye for look, things looking nice. But I think people just tend to like make it all bells and whistles. And I just think essentially we just want to read information about you. It needs to be really coherent. Like, mm-hmm. But that's also just from my preference of when yeah. I've looked at applications um, that sometimes people have clearly put like more effort into their CV, but like their experience isn't even there. So like, oh, you know, I see. Um, you can't hide that um but yeah so um it I would say just to put like together yeah a little snippet of your work nowadays lots of people I guess have like a little online space that you can preview and show projects from your uni staff or anything Mm. else like that and then I had to take a portfolio with me to get my fashion internship and I feel like it's that thing of like at this internship, did I design anything once? No. So why I'm having, <laughs> in hindsight, to bring like my portfolio with me, like talk through my work, made it feel like the guy who interviewed me, I'm still sort of in touch with, bless him, like he made it seem so important. And essentially the day-to-day stuff I did was nothing to do with design. So, like, oh. it's that hindsight of, I get it, You there's got to be a way you decide things, but I don't think they were interviewing anyone else. Like, it's sort of that thing of... That's a bit disappointing. Yeah, yeah. But then also I've worked places where you really do design in a design internship, and then that's really fair and relevant. Mm. But I would say my first experience of an internship, I was essentially the office lackey, like... I helped with certain things, but it would be the case of the production, the way I would help would be counting out buttons. So because stuff was so small, we would send the exact correct number of buttons to the factory so there was a production so I'd be counting out like 40 buttons or whatever and then you give like a surplus for like error and if they lost one or dropped one whatever Mm -hmm. so like that's what I was helping with or like measuring out the fabric making sure they've got enough stuff like that I definitely Mm -hmm. helped the pattern cutter that was maybe the main experience of design or like stuff that was relevant I Mm -hmm. helped the pattern cutter um but other than that it was a lot of coffees getting lunches um design wise it was more like the way I helped the design team was sending TNTs out like deliveries out DPD whatever it Mm -hmm. is um yeah it was just it was a lot of like if there was nothing to do oh tidy the office like (gasps) you know that kind of a vibe and like I am a good worker Mm -hmm. I am fine but if you make up a job for me like just tidy the office I am not, I'm not pleased. Like, I remember once just having to, like, sort through these boxes of, like, old materials and just being like, this is a made-up job. And I, like, I don't do well with a made-up job. Like, when I know yeah. there's not, like, a reason and you've just found something for me to pass time, like, 
I'm not going to want to then ask you again when I haven't got anything to do. Um, but yeah, it was very lackey Um That's annoying because to me, you know, if I were 18 or not even 18, you're a bit older than that, like 21, 20, something yeah. like that. Like I don't mind doing menial jobs. I don't yeah. mind counting buttons. No, you know, like if you still... get in the headspace of that, it's absolutely fine, yeah. you know. Because you're, you're still... got to do it. Mm-hmm you're still in the in the area of design you're still within the team you're still overhearing conversations and getting to grips with terminology and just being in that environment I think is the most yeah worthwhile part of it even if you're doing a silly little job you know yeah um because everyone at some point has to do those jobs you know to make something happen yeah when it comes to just tidying up the office that isn't Uh, like and also like and I don't mean this in a rude way like I'm sure at some point, like, I may end up being a cleaner. Who knows? But I'm also not there to be the cleaner, you know? Mm. Like, I'm actually there to learn. And if I wanted to learn about cleaning, I can clean my room at home. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, and there were definitely times where I, I think I mentioned maybe last week, like, I was out of the office sometimes more than I was in it. There would be days. And so basically with my uni, I had to keep a track and a log of everything I did because we were meant to like write up our internships afterwards mm-hmm. uh, and keep like an intern diary. Um, and so I sort of like would always just write down roughly what I did. And so much of what I would do would be collecting fabric from a shop and bringing it back. And like, I just have these memories of being on the underground with this ginormous roll of fabric, the heat, it was a hot summer and just like sweating. And like, they're telling you, like, we need this back by the time TNT comes, like, and he comes at four o'clock, like you need to be back by then. And it's like somewhat impossible. So you're running like, and then you having to negotiate the underground with a couple of rolls of fabric and then like walking back and of course they're not paying for a taxi for you mm. and things like that um and also like they were lucky again that like I didn't need like an oyster I didn't use an oyster card my, like my parents live in zone six that's not a thing mm-hmm. um so I had at least like a travel card but again like that would have then been like on my oyster card all like the tappings oh out, I see you know? okay so that's another that's another issue because there's one thing to have like bullshit jobs and there's another thing to incur it, cost to in yeah incur additional costs we're not talking about transport to get to work yeah. we're not talking about your lunch to sustain you in the day we're talking like this is stuff that should be budgeted into their yeah. accounts how are they going to create something if they don't account for the transport costs of this item um the um the fees that might incur just like yeah, that's all part of running a business and that's not an expense that should be put yeah. onto the person who is not getting paid. I mean, even if yeah. I were getting paid, that would still not be okay. Yeah, I know. And like, and it's terrible. So they were really lucky that I did have this travel card because it also, uh, there was a real thrill of excitement of, okay, so they take this thing that's made here and you take it there and you see where the factories are based. Like mm. I literally would be taking fabric to the office we'd measure it out then I'd take it to the factory then like with the buttons and all this stuff that I've measured out like my day would just be stuff like that go into the platers and like where things would be gold plated or like whatever it was and 
where the hardware gets made all of that stuff so that's interesting yeah. to know where those where you can find those things but once you've done that once or twice like it's less interesting and you're essentially <laughs> a career service like I might as well work for like Amazon you know mm. um so there was a lot of that um and then there were just like the things that were outright not relevant to fashion and were just like outrageous so for instance there was an office dog um I would have to go pick up his dog food from the pet shop um and to carry back these two big heavy bags of like dog food for him um I once had to just go pay for her her MOT down the road you are joking me I just yeah I would have to like go and pay and obviously then also like I'm like having to like impersonate her in a bank maybe to like do certain (laughs) exchanges. She's got you committing fraud. (laughs) No, I mean, it wasn't fraud, but you know, like paying in stuff that like I shouldn't be paying in because it's like going into her account. Um, I want this, like I've got like a hierarchy of what I think some of the worst jobs that I've had to do are. And one is that like um, a few of the girls in the office had mastitis. What's that? It's like a urine infection, often oh. caused from like rumpy pumpy. Oh. Um, I had to go get them some the medicine. Phrasing of that. No, it's sorry, it's not mastitis, it's cystitis. Oh, Lol. cystitis. Okay, okay. <laughs> Lol. I had to go get cystitis medicine for the office. So I'm going looking like a thirsty girl, having to get two sachets, like or two boxes of cystitis medicine, really for the office. Um, so that I felt like was like a bit inappropriate, especially when like, when I say the pharmacy was less than like 200 yards from the front door of our office. Um, and again, like, so my, I would get my boss's prescription for her. I once had to go get the, the contraceptive pill for my boss. She, she ordered it from like Selfridges, um, the selfridges pharmacy. pharmacy. I was like, I'm not really funny. You don't even live there. Why would you get your pill from there? That's more awkward to get it from there. Oh my God. So yeah, I had to go do that. Um, I once also, she was like having to work or like late or something. So I had to go to her flat and feed her cat for her. Um, And just like once had to receive some artwork that she had delivered to her flat because she couldn't leave the office. Like all of these things, you're like, I what? Absolutely, just not your personal assistant. And like when I say it's like it wasn't super local. Like I had to get a bus to get there, like to do all this stuff. Like and also again, I'm meant to be learning. I'm meant to be getting experience. But if I'm going there to get your art delivered to your house, mm-hmm. like I don't know how relevant that is. And what that makes me think is you're spending the best part of this year in industry not learning about the Mm. industry which is you're not just there to earn credits for your uni degree yeah you're there because when you leave a you're there to evaluate whether this is a career that you want to stick with and what skills you want to take from it and either continue in the same industry or maybe do something slightly different Mm. and then once you leave uni say you do want to stick with this industry you're going to go into a job not knowing how to do it that they would expect you to know because they can see you've got two or three internships under your belt when really you've got two personal assistant internships under your belt and that's uh, that's embarrassing for you everyone involved 
for everyone yeah exactly yeah. for everyone involved because I would think that judging from what you've told me I would be thinking the uni should see your write-up of your experience and be like let's not put them on our like roster yeah suggested internships or available internships for the next cohort of kids because this isn't what we are we're not here to be a pipeline of students into like someone who will feed your cat when you're not at home (laughs) we're trying to like better our students who are paying for our guidance and our help on this course for sure and I, I think actually the sad thing is is that first of all these people were much older than me they're probably the age we are now if Mm. maybe not younger so they hadn't had more they hadn't had like 30 years experience like you know and they're so busy and they've like really earned their stripes and they're like up there and they've got a family at home that they have to get back to and like they're there (laughs) to like you know it's not that not that even that is a justification for someone to be your lackey but like there wasn't even that they were weren't super like much older than me to like really have that level of like oh yeah yeah, yeah. you've earned your stripes yeah 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 um mm. but it was almost like and weirdly they hadn't really worked in other places but like it was like they just know that you they can get away with it mm. you know and I just I really really begrudged that of like budgets is around the corner you can spare two minutes and walk and get yourself your diet coke yourself like or actually maybe you need a personal assistant if this is the kind of thing mm-hmm. you want being mm-hmm. done because I haven't applied to be your personal assistant do you I've think applied it... for a design internship essentially do you think it inflated their ego for sure mm-hmm. for sure like that like their attitude stunk for a really long time that they thought they were really self-important that they had this person who, by the way, like, they didn't learn my name to begin with, and I would wasn't allowed to approach them myself as what? the intern. So I'm allowed to go get your contraceptive pill, but the way you ask for me to go and get it is you ask someone that you actually employ and pay and go, can she go and get this? And I can overhear you referring to me as she, and you haven't taken the time to learn my name, but also I'm not then allowed to give it to you. I have to give it to that person who then gives it to you because I'm not important enough to take up your time. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind, and even there'll be times of like, they'd go into a room and they're designing and no one's allowed to knock on the door because you don't want to interrupt like the process disrupt. But it's like, but you've also asked me to make you a cup of tea and go and get your lunch. And if I leave it like, and there was this real fear. I remember I'd have to like go and do a bit of shopping or get stuff for their lunches. And I had this real fear of like, they didn't have Hovis multi, like multigrain, like, I'm sorry, Hovis multigrain, like, but they have like wholemeal, like, mm. is that okay? And I'd genuinely be like ringing up to check that like, they don't have this, but like they have this. And it's like, yeah. no, I, I should have just got the closest Whatever. thing I could get. Like, but there's this, they feed this thing that's very like um, Meryl Streep, Devil Wears Prada, where you are sort of like, yeah, 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 I will do that. And I remember my boss would go to like events. And when I say boss, it's like the top, I'm um, saying like the top dog um, would be going to events and they'd ask me to like iron her clothes. And the fear I would get of ironing her clothes, <laughs> because they've got to be perfect. 
what? Like, it's, it's different than me yeah. ironing my own. Yeah. They've got to be pristine. And like, also, no one's taught me how to iron like clothes properly. You know, I don't know how to get that perfect like fold line if it's that kind of a trouser. And like, that's not what you learn at like uni. Mm. Um, and even like, you don't even learn the proper way to sew on a button. You know, you just, you just sew it on. I don't know. Like, there is a correct way to sew on a button, which yeah. I've now learned. But like, you don't learn that stuff. You're not like in a 1950s high school of like women learning these skills. Um, and I used to be terrified every time I had to like fix something for her mm-hmm. and like all of this stuff. I remember I had to go buy her a bra. I had to head to like Selfridges to buy her a bra, a strapless bra for an event. I just remember thinking like... Oh my God, was I working there at that time? <laughs> <laughs> you were but like I just remember thinking like this is mental like you actually aren't that busy and I think it's more people like to think that they're busier than they are Mm -hmm. and this is also like for context like this was obviously about eight eight nine years ago where like our life wasn't so instant we didn't have like Amazon next day delivery and all Mm. of that stuff then so yep. to expect this sort of like fast paced life that now I understand that Amazon's created because you can get away with like thinking that there is no time and you get annoyed if your package is a day late. Mm-hmm. But we weren't living in a time of like that kind of a thing, but they just thought that like they just didn't have a spare second. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it feeds into that uh, self-importance that, hierarchy and that mm. glamorization of I don't know yeah it's it's definitely a stereotype that like fashion holds within itself um but just personally if I were like the director of something or head of something or VP I am not trusting anyone to pick up my lunch that I don't know I don't know no. this girl she's not picking up my food she's not picking up my pill she's not picking up like personal stuff that I'm gonna eat or consume I'd also or be mortified yeah I like I don't understand I, why why do you need to know my bra size you know like oh it's like weird. it's all that stuff like I would be mortified um sometimes it, it, people yeah. do that it's definitely f- from what I see people do that as a form of intimidation mm. it, it's to make you feel uncomfortable yeah um no definitely and also I think you you're then like being molly cuddled by like if when people succumb to it and also, like, yeah, they would just, everyone would speak of, like, this essence of, like, oh, you know, like, mm, oh, we need to make sure she eats and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> me too. Like, I need to eat too. Like, we're all, we all need to eat, you know? Like, it's <laughs> it's this real stupidity of, like, I find that really bizarre. I don't think anyone's ever too busy to not be able to get themselves lunch. Yeah, she was like the queen bee of the beehive. Because you've either got enough money that you can order yourself a Deliveroo or whatever, mm-hmm. or you can nip to Budgeons or Tesco, whatever, and get something like we all do. Or, or you know, you bring it in from home. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. That exists. Making your sandwiches you know, at home. Um, so what was yeah. one of your... Um, your best experiences where you felt like this experience is fulfilling to me and that I'm walking away with something useful? So it started to get more fulfilling. I really enjoyed doing the pattern cutting. I really felt so pattern cutting is like how basically if you think 
all the like all the parts that basically make up a garment you design the shape of them the length of them the cut of them how it's going to be sewn and all of that stuff and it's all just flat. So I loved that. I loved learning from the woman that was there. She used to work for Alexander McQueen. And so like the pattern cutting skills that are required there are like top notch. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking it was incredible. Um, and then eventually I got to like work a lot more on like making like mock-ups, like paper mock-ups of bags where you like just use some like tape and glue or whatever and you like try and make it look like the bag and you send it to factories and getting more involved in that and maybe helping every now and then on like the computer stuff and feeling like it was more of an internship when it turned into being less of like a like a delivery person it felt really rewarding and it doesn't take much especially when you're doing those jobs to feel like your job is rewarding yeah and and doing that stuff so I loved that um and then also like I went back once like once I'd been there for a long time and they trusted me to sort of be able to do more things I then went back like after my other internship ended and then it became my job so like more for me Mm -hmm. um um but like yeah I don't know I think I think the problem is that culture makes you feel like you're so special to be there Mm. and you do you look at and I don't know if I'll ever not look at the person who's like either the name of the company or like the creative director without being like it's you <gasps> it's them it's the celebrity and, and like you want to stare at them when they walk in the room or like that they are yeah they're the celebrity of the company they're like mm. you want to be like oh my gosh yeah um no I, re- I remember um in one of my last jobs the CEO came over from the states and it was Mm. like and they would walk around the office when they were there but obviously they used to have like a couple of their guys with them um not in an intimidating way because our office in the UK wasn't big yeah but you'd be like yeah (laughs) and we'd have these what we'd call town halls where they would kind of give us the forecasting and projections and past performance of like the last quarter and they would be up on the stage and you'd be like it's him (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like there's something really special about that and I kind of think there's something really lovely that like they're on a that they're on a pedestal and it's like oh but then it's also pathetic they're in the media as well aren't they yeah there's there's a reason why it sort of happens they're the face of the company and all of that stuff so it's natural but also it's still it's still a person yes they still eat sleep and poop you know like Mm. there's no avoiding that um but yeah so like it's difficult and then so my second internship was a complete 180 it was involved more in like the knitwear and stuff that kind of side of things and so I was doing a lot of making it wasn't at all menial tasks I never sort of re maybe once or twice I left to go and do an errand but really barely like ever Mm -hmm. most of the time I was sat around a table crocheting or knitting Mm -hmm. and that was just day in day out Mm -hmm. and that kind of atmosphere like that was I was learning a lot I'd never really done much knitting and really liked it but we there were like maybe five of us around a table um, and that was like the intern zone. And then there were like four people working in the office. Um, 
and they would have like one of them would have instructed us on what to do there was like one person who dealt with us and that was it and and we weren't really allowed to talk and so you're just sat there essentially being like the sweatshop maker of things yeah like for however long days they were really long days like on a stool like genuinely not a comfortable chair um in and like in this like bright light room and you just would just be like there all day so I got really into like um desert island discs during that time because I was like if we can't talk or every time we get a little like chat on someone's gonna be like shh mm-hmm. I'm not gonna talk like I'm that kind of a person of, like you've annoyed me now mm-hmm. so I won't talk because I don't want to keep getting like annoyed or feel like I'm not allowed to talk Mm -hmm. but it was just yeah that was very different and I'm actually amazed I did that for like nearly six months as well yeah I don't know know how I did that because actually they didn't even cover my travel and before the show we would have to work weekends too and I would be getting home at whatever time I would and I was still living at home I would barely see my parents and I just get up and do it all again just to sit and, and crochet in a corner. Oh. Well, and and is, this yeah. and this was a company where like they couldn't have done it without the interns. Mm-hmm. And it's that so it's a very different vibe of like they weren't making us do get their lunches and stuff like that. I mean, maybe every now and then people did that, but like it was just more like you should be paying us. We're actually making things yeah. for you. And it was much more educational, but it also very much felt like a sweatshop in the, in essence. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get the thrill of a show and you're there and that all goes out the window. Like when you're like <laughs> backstage at a fashion show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like it's educational. But when you think you've got five of us and when it was near showtime, it'd be like 10 all crammed around in these little like poxy stools we're all trying to do like just get stuff done and yeah I think it's just it's very bizarre like very bizarre Mm. yeah so I want to ask you about after you'd finished your degree and everything Mm -hmm. how much do you think these internship experiences for the very least on paper how much they helped you or didn't help you so they helped me in the sense that I had a job waiting for me when I finished uni. Okay. So I, I went into my final year knowing I had a job to go to, which was a really fortunate position mm-hmm. that not many people have. Um, but did it prepare me for a job in fashion, the internships? No. What I guess it prepares me for was more, um, I knew the team I was going into, so I wasn't sort of daunted. But the problem is... And I will like, I really think that this is maybe a problem in like all industries. If a company has seen you as an intern, Mm. they will always see you as an intern. Oh, that's such a good point. I just think like whenever I would go up sort of any of the ranks, I think they always wanted to like quash maybe me being promoted or anything like that because they knew where I started. But actually like, yeah you don't know what I'm doing somewhere else but like because I've come from somewhere else you trust in my experience Mm -hmm. way more and and yeah I think I always was then like the person to be like oh Scarlett knows that oh Scarlett can help with that Mm -hmm. and 
and I, I yeah I always sort of felt like I never really got to shift and also you never shift it in yourself that person of like am I still the person who makes teas like I remember writing a handover for someone who was going to be I was about to get a paid position mm-hmm. and we were going to get an intern in and I wrote like handover notes and I wrote her like a little guide and I wrote down how everyone in the company took their tea as like a tip for her and like in hindsight I'm like that's oh. disgusting that's disgusting because I'm a big believer that I don't think one person should be making the tea in the company mm. whether they're an intern or not like and I know people's time are more valuable but you're not too busy to make yourself a cup of tea mm. or at least expect that the intern will make it it's nice if you know one day I make yours next day yeah. mine, stuff like and that and someone does around and they make a few and, and like, yeah. yeah and some people never like some people are genuinely swept off their feet and they yeah. can't make it for example but to be like it's very mad men where it was mm. you, know, you were the secretary and it was like make sure your knee your skirt hits your knee and make sure you do this and that and this is like if you want to survive here no this is how you teams. survive yeah <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm actually like, I hate, I hate like hearing that I did that actually, because imagine walking in and seeing that and just being like, right. Yeah. What is she saying about you? She must have gone home and be like, oh, bitch. Mine yeah, told me how to everyone takes their she tea. I'm going to take everyone's tea. Yeah. Oh, but that's the thing. Like, we all perpetuate. To, to a degree we perpetuate and we normalize what we experience mm. so if we are as we'd mentioned last week if in our head offices we are having people who are making the garments and not getting paid or being treated a certain way or taken advantage of literally monetarily and with their time and their skill how can we expect that further down the line in supply chain when it comes to fashion, that people in another country who are genuinely poorer than us are going to get treated any better? Like, sure. it's 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 part and parcel, I think, of the same problem. And, yeah, um, it is. Mm-hmm. It really is. And like you said, I'm then giving the jobs to her that I know I hated. Mm. And that doesn't mean that that's okay. And was I doing anything to prevent her having to do them? No, but was I in a position to do that? Also, probably not. Mm. But it's, it's you thought you were doing really her a tough. favor. That's I a- thought I was doing her a favor by giving yeah. her more of a hand or a, a heads up to yep. the type of stuff to expect. Um, but like, it's that horrible thing of even in an interview where you're like, you know, so you'll be you'll be helping out and you'll be helping X with you know getting her her lunch. You know, she's <laughs> really important that we make sure she's looked after. Like type of a vibe, and it's like this girl wants to be a fashion designer. She doesn't want to be a PA. She doesn't mm. want to be a babysitter for somebody. Um, and I was really also fortunate because I lived in Zone Six. I had the excuse I had to leave, but I think it was like eleven at night to get the last train home Mm -hmm. because they didn't want to pay for like me to get a taxi home Mm -hmm. and then in time they started doing that when they were doing a bit better and then they had to stop again because we were spending too much money on ubers which tells you how late we were always staying Mm -hmm. and having to get food but also like so a really good example I've got of where like the the chain needs to get broken it's like with anything it's like with racism sexism any any form of like treating people differently if you continue the way that people did it previously 
we're mm-hmm. never going to improve. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you have to break a chain, and this is much more minor than <laughs> racism, by the way. Yeah. But like, it's that thing of like, just because your boss treated you that way, doesn't mean that like you should treat me this way. Because otherwise, we're never going to change. We're never going to evolve. And like, times have changed. We're mm-hmm. much more aware of the way we should be treated. Mm-hmm. And I remember us working, and we got like this last minute pro- project in for a private client had to design it and all of that stuff so I did that and like I would normally finish at six o'clock and that day I had a concert to go to um and then it got to like seven o'clock I finished the project but I said to my boss I was like I'm really sorry like I've got to go now I've got a concert to go to and like this is seven o'clock at night you technically aren't paying me now like I like I'm really sorry like I've got to go now and she was just like and just looked at me like and shrugged and she was just like well you know we've got to get this done and I was like well well, we have and actually also in hindsight I realized that like so at this company once you did the work someone's actual physical job was to put it in a professional presentation Mm -hmm. and they had gone home so it was never going to be done that evening but she had like convinced herself it had to be done that evening and be done um and so then because that guy had gone home, she made me put it in the professional presentation. But in hindsight, I also know that like that's not the way the company works. You wait till okay. that guy's in. Like okay. he knows the right font, he knows the professional layout to do it in. Mm-hmm. And I also thought like it's very rare that like, you know, I don't go to a concert like every night of the week. This is a real one-off. I've spent money on this. I was like, I've got someone waiting for me. I'm not going to this concert alone. Mm-hmm. So you're now in like making someone else's time like irrelevant. And she sort of just shrugged at me. And so I like had my coat on as well when I'd like asked her this. So I just sit down, I kept my coat on. I was so livid. Yeah. I just thought, and also I wasn't an internship intern then, but still I don't think that matters. Um and I was so angry because I just knew that, like, I was having to message my friend to be like, I'm really sorry, I'm going to be a bit later. And, like, A, I know concerts don't start at, like, 8 o'clock, but, like, we plan to make an evening of exactly. it. Exactly. And she's already there waiting, so she's now got to sit by herself until I get there, um, which is really rude, like, and not fun for her either. Um, so, yeah, so then, like, I finish it, and I basically am just like, I'm really sorry, I've got to go now type of a thing when it's already like another 40 minutes has passed. So I leave and like, weirdly also, I was going to the same concert the next night, which I didn't want to tell her. And I was taking my mum for Mother's Day. And I said to her, I walked in that day and I was like, I'm like, I've got like a, a plan with my mum. I have to leave on time like today. I was like, you're not making me wait, keep my mum waiting type of a thing. Um, and she was like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I know what it's like, you know, to have to run into a concert halfway through. I've had to do that before. Or like, you know, I know what it's like to have to miss out on plans. And I just thought, that's not a good enough excuse just because you've had to do it. Yeah. And that job wasn't actually that important. You were able to make that executive decision and you didn't. But mm. she was she was terrified because she was she clearly was had a boss that made her terrified and she was always that person and again like I think her husband worked late so she would never really leave work until eight o'clock because that's when her husband clocked off Mm. and I was like but that's not my problem yeah 
it's a one-off plan it's not like I'm telling you I want to go home because I'm tired and she once also made this intern I think she was really not feeling well and she was like do you mind if I go home now like and she's like well you know that's up to you and this intern wasn't English wasn't her first language she was Italian and she sort of looked at me she's like what does she mean and I was like and she's like you know it's it's up to it's up to you what kind of um an an employee you want to be really do you do you want to stay and do some more options of what you're working on and leave before your boss or you know you can go home and you know you can be that person and being really like play this mind game I was like first of all I don't know if she understands the mind game you're playing because she's she's not English Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also like we don't pay her yeah. She can go home. And if she, do you know how hard that is to ask someone to go home and then you don't yeah. even get a definitive answer? Yeah. And I remember watching this exchange and then the girl started crying and my boss walked off. And I was like, I hate this industry so much. You can't do that to somebody. Ugh. You either say yes yeah. or no. You can't go, it's up to you, you know? oh I just hate it I hate it oh my god I'm having flashbacks uh, well on that note um this is a good chat this is really insightful some of these stories I had never heard before I would definitely love to hear if other people have interning stories and also this like as a disclaimer I'm not trying to like cuss out places I've worked for like mm. these are genuine experiences I've had yeah. and I more just want to give a full picture of like it's not all like learning to be a fashion designer there's mm. there's a reason fashion has this name you know yeah yeah for sure and I promise it's... I'm a good employee <laughs> <laughs> just don't I don't me. I don't think anyone who listens to our podcast yet is going to be hiring us anytime yeah that's okay yeah. um Chanel if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah it would be really good to hear anyone's personal mm. stories and Horace, even if it's not in fashion ones. you know Mm, yeah I'm sure I'm sure we've all been wronged in industries it'd be good to compare I think Mm. compare um the nature of internships across different industries and whatever but yeah thanks for listening guys um we're going to put a poll out um Mm. for this so please respond and we'll share all your responses to the wider like group and audience um but we'll see you next week I suppose Bye, guys. Toodles. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.